Hey, you're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in and around the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles throughout the week. And then we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to episode 21 of Make and Multiply. Since we've covered most of the content of our discipleship huddle guides, which uh, lays out what our huddles are and how they function and gives some some great tools for applying the gospel to our lives and caring for one another and asking good questions, I thought it would be beneficial to turn our attention to what we would call systematic theology. Uh, Systematic theology just systematizes or categorizes what scripture teaches into various doctrines. Doctrine just comes from the Latin word meaning teaching or or learning, and so a doctrine is what scripture as a whole teaches about any given subject. And so we could speak of uh, the doctrine of heaven and hell, the doctrine of uh, last things, the doctrine of humanity, the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of Christ. Uh, I want to start with the doctrine of scripture, which essentially means everything scripture teaches about itself, what scripture teaches about scripture. And I want to explore these doctrines of systematic theology with a particular view to how they apply to us and what difference it makes in our lives as disciple makers, as disciples ourselves first and foremost, and then disciples who are making and multiplying disciples. We are building people up into Jesus Christ. And so we want to know the truth of Christ. We want to know the truth of his word. We believe that it's his word that uh, is powerful and effective to save us and then to sanctify us, to change us and transform us. And so we want to know what scripture teaches. And knowing theology, knowing these doctrines is not an exercise in abstract um, intellectualism, but it's a matter of knowing the very truth that transforms our lives. And so I want to start with the doctrine of Scripture by giving you just a a brief introduction or overview of four characteristics of Scripture. Theologians talk about Scripture in these four categories. Uh, You can read more in uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology or John Frame's Systematic Theology. The four categories I want to cover here are authority, clarity, sufficiency, and necessity. The authority of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, and the necessity of Scripture. These are four things that we see Scripture itself teaches about Scripture. So beginning with authority, we mean that all of the words of Scripture are God's very own words. Therefore, the authority that God himself has, the words of Scripture have. Uh, Scripture is not something Underneath God, Scripture is God's own self-revelation. He speaks. These are his words, and therefore, these words actually carry God's very own authority. Whatever these words say, we are to believe, we are to trust, we are to obey, because these are God's own words. And so whatever we do with Scripture, we do with God. If we ignore these words, If we disobey them, if we reject them, we are rejecting God. You can't be in relationship with God while questioning and doubting and rejecting his word. If you trust these words and receive them and believe them, you are trusting God himself and you are believing him. So what you do with these words, you do with God because these are his own words. Underneath this 
uh, category of authority, we talk about two other aspects of Scripture, which are the the inspiration of Scripture and the inerrancy of Scripture. Inspiration means that all of these words written in the 66 books of the Bible are the very words of, of the triune God. He has breathed them out. God himself breathed out, spoke these words. That's what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. And God has spoken reliably. He has spoken Uh, authoritatively, permanently through the words of Scripture. The Spirit of God inspired human authors to write the words of God in such a way that this is the mystery of it. The the personality and the style, the vocabulary of the human authors is not erased, and yet the origin, the source of every word was God himself. That's what 2 Peter 1.21 says, that, that no prophecy ever originated in the will of man or the mind of man, but the Holy Spirit inspired and carried along these men who wrote these words so that these are God's very own words. That's the inspiration of Scripture. Inerrancy means that Scripture is true. In other words, uh, Scripture never claims anything is true that is actually false, never claims anything false. Everything that Scripture talks about is true. It always speaks the truth. Uh, This is... um, tied to the fact that these are God's own words, and Scripture teaches God himself cannot lie. Therefore, his words must be true. All of his words are true, and so the words of Scripture are true. Importantly, uh, the, the claim of inerrancy means that the original autographs, the original um, writings of Scripture are without error in every way. While we don't possess any of those original autographs today, um, like Greg talked about in recent sermon from John chapter 8, because of manuscript evidence, we can be incredibly confident that we do possess today an accurate and reliable record of what the originals said. And so uh, what we possess today is trustworthy and true. So what difference does the authority of Scripture make for us as disciple makers, as we meet with one another, uh, disciple one another, minister to each other? Um, a, a few things here. Disciple making is a matter of authority. Think about how Jesus began the Great Commission. Jesus said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He starts the Great Commission with this claim, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples. And so Jesus commissions disciple makers based on his own authority. And what he commissions them to do is to um, baptize them, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them, that is, those who are being discipled, to observe everything Jesus commanded. So the commands of Christ are central to discipleship. Teaching others to obey the commands of Christ is central to discipleship. So where do we have the commands of Christ recorded? Uh, What authority do these commands have over the lives of those who are scattered throughout the world? Well, they carry the very weight and authority of God himself, and they are recorded for us faithfully in the pages of scripture. And so disciple making involves teaching others the commands of Christ. Uh, Also importantly, one another care is not a matter of offering personal advice or uh, therapy or support. When we get together in our our discipleship huddles, it's not just a uh, group 
therapy time. It's not just a time to um, air our own opinions about things. We are pointing each other to the authoritative word of God because it's scripture itself that is profitable. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that to the end that the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Scripture does that, uh, not our own preferences or opinions. And so because we have this clear and authoritative word, when we meet with one another to disciple each other, uh, we have a source of authoritative truth that transcends any one of us. It's God's own word that he has passed on to us. And so scripture alone has divine authority to tell us how we are to think and what we are to believe and how we are to live, which means when we open up the pages of scripture with each other, uh, we're not just making suggestions or recommendations. We are sitting under God himself and and it is our obligation to respond to what he says in, in faith. That means in our huddles, when we're dealing with areas of unbelief, um, it, it may be the case that we don't feel like God's word is true or we don't feel like obeying God's word, uh, but that doesn't matter. How we feel about it does not matter at all because it is true objectively outside of us, apart from how we feel, it's true, and therefore we we must believe it. And the first thought we should have, the first question we should ask when we read scripture is not, how do I feel about this, but is it true? And the answer is yes. And the next question is, do I believe it? And the answer ought to be yes. And if it's not, then we repent and we turn to the truth of what God says and we we trust him, we receive his word. So the authority of scripture has huge implications for our discipleship. This is the only way that we ever could disciple anyone uh, other than just giving people mere human opinions, which doesn't do any good. Another implication of the authority of scripture is that God's word itself is, not only is it true, it's the measure of truth. Um, Jesus prays in John 17, your word is truth. He doesn't just pray to the Father, your word is true. That is, uh, it's true as determined by or measured by some other standard of truth outside of your word and higher than your word. He says, your word is truth. God's word is the plumb line. It is the measure. It is the rule, the standard of all that is true, which means that as we disciple others, uh, we are bringing all of our thoughts, all of our opinions, everything else that we've learned, things we've picked up from culture. We take all of that to God's word as the authoritative standard by which we measure and evaluate everything else. Uh, so culture does not define truth. God's word does. Uh, that means we often find in ourselves opinions beliefs, convictions, feelings that have to change in order to be brought into line with the truth of Scripture. So those are just a few of the implications of the authority of Scripture for those who make and multiply disciples. Uh, the clarity of Scripture, second characteristic here, means that uh, the Spirit of God makes the Word of God clear and understandable to those who trust in Jesus. Uh, the clarity of Scripture is incredible it's an encouragement to us that understanding the Bible is not first and foremost a matter of intelligence or IQ level. It's not like only the, the learned and um, the scholarly can understand it. It means that the truth of Scripture, the hope of the gospel, the promises of God, 
are available even to children. Even a child can understand these things. And yet, it's interesting that there are many, uh, you know, humanly speaking, brilliant people who fail to understand or perceive what Scripture is saying. Even though they have uh, a high IQ, they do not come to God's Word by faith, willing to trust and obey what it says, and so they fail to understand it. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The reason people fail to understand Scripture is because the truth of Scripture is spiritually discerned. That is, it's discerned through the work and the help and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not only did the Holy Spirit inspire these words long ago, the Spirit of God present in us today causes us to be able to understand the meaning of the word that was spoken so long ago. So Paul goes on to say the spiritual person, that is the person who has been born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, the spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So God makes the meaning of his word clear, even to a child, to anyone um, who is willing to trust and obey what he says. So the, the prerequisite is a spiritual condition, first and foremost, not an intellectual uh, uh, prerequisite. So that doesn't mean all of scripture is simple or basic uh, or elementary. There are certainly challenging passages of scripture, passages that require careful thought and study and reflection. Um, we see an example of that when, when Peter himself acknowledges in 2 Peter chapter 3 that he's aware of some of Paul's writings and, he, and Peter considers some of those things to be difficult. Listen to what he says in 2 Peter 3. Um, 16 speaking of paul's letters when he speaks in them of these matters peter says there are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures so if you've ever come across a passage of scripture and you've been puzzled or confused by what it means you're in good company even peter who was an apostle and wrote letters that are um scripture inspired by God, he thought that some of Paul's writings contained things that were hard to understand. And yet, notice Peter says uh, the error comes when the ignorant and unstable twist those words to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So the error comes is that first and foremost, again, a spiritual condition, a sin problem. Um, so errors can happen due to our own sin and hardness of heart that blind us to the meaning of Scripture. Uh, it's also possible to make errors in in reasoning or, or judgment, which is why it's important to read God's Word, study God's Word in community with other believers where we are holding our conclusions uh, out in community where others can speak into that and say, I think you're off, I think you're misreading that or misunderstanding what it says. And we don't just do that with uh, a few believers around us today, but we stand in a whole history, a rich heritage of the church uh, down through the ages. God's people filled with God's spirit have been reading and believing and receiving and studying his word. And so uh, we, we check our understanding of scripture against that community as well. So in application of the clarity of scripture, uh, I just find it so encouraging to know uh, scripture is clear, everyday people 
Uh, even a child can understand this. We structure our huddles, as I've said before, in order to be reproducible. We don't want uh, to have a structure that is cumbersome, burdensome to be uh, reproduced, a system that just requires only highly trained experts or uh, expensive curriculum or whatever. That, that's not easy to reproduce. It's not easy to take to the nations. Uh, but the idea of a few believers getting together with the Word of God, confident that God Himself is present there through His Spirit to speak and illuminate and to change and transform uh, through the truth of the gospel, that gives us hope. And so we value a reproducible disciple-making structure because the clarity of God's Word leads us to expect this. It's not just for scholars and academics and professionals. It's for everyone who will trust and obey what God says. So if you come to Scripture convinced that Scripture is obscure or confusing or cryptic or difficult to understand or only for the elite or, or uh, hidden, uh, you, you probably won't even come to scripture to begin with. You won't read it. You won't talk about it with others. And um, your diet may just consist of books by uh, pastors or theologians or even self-help gurus, but not the Bible itself. The clarity of scripture reminds us that the, the, the basic curriculum of disciple-making is scripture itself. We, we, we want God's word. We want to start right there with the raw meat of God's word because we expect that those who are trusting God and filled with his spirit can understand these words. So that's, we've covered authority and clarity. In the next episode, I'll talk about sufficiency and the necessity of God's word. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, please email me at ryan at EmmausRoadSF.com. And if you're not currently part of a huddle or MC, let me know and I would love to help you get connected. If you're interested in more, you can find this content in our discipleship huddle guide, which is based on the DNA guide by Saturate Resources. The music on this episode is called Everywhere by Lee Rosevere, and it's used under a Creative Commons license.